Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's brand new day toilet bowl cleaner disinfects both the toilet brush and bowl, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria with a fragrance that feels like a tropical getaway for your senses. <sighs> Don't just clean, Lysol clean. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It's been one week since we lived by So You Want to Talk About Race, and you know what that means. It's time for another By the Book mini-episode. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of Living By So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Aluo. And we heard uh, from so many of you all this week. First, I want to start with those of you who wrote in that love the book or perhaps loved this episode. <laughs> Let's start with May. May wrote in to say... I listened to the episode almost as soon as it came out, at 4 a.m. my time. It was really insightful, and I appreciate you guys for doing this. I never know how to address issues related to race, and, well, this helped. Thank you for putting yourselves out there and getting this information out. I know I needed to hear it. Echoing what May said, Caitlin wrote, I am so, so glad you did so you want to talk about race. This book really changed my life. The author just puts things so plainly. Thank you for discussing this book and your own journeys and mistakes so candidly. I think there's a misconception that when someone starts posting or talking about anti-racism, they suddenly think they are perfect and better than others, but that is not the case. 
happy for the conversation this book and pod have started. Oh, God. Oh, Jalenta, nice. we are not perfect or better than anyone. Oh, hell no. I swear to God I'm worse than you. <laughs> than all of the collective you. <laughs> Just we trying to are. make We're up for terrible. it with a shitty post once in a while, you know? <laughs> uh, let's get back to what listeners wrote. Uh, yes. Jill, Jill said, I was so excited to hear you were living by So You Want to Talk About Race. I'm black. And while most of what's in the book may come across as based basic 101 level stuff to any person of color, I still think the book is validating for many of us who live in non-white skin and important and educational for those who don't. Jill, I love this letter so much because off mic, I was saying to Jolenta, I felt the same way. A lot of it felt Mm -hmm. like basic 101 stuff, but there were parts of this book that I felt so validated by. Like Just a quick mention, almost an aside about the violence against women of color and specifically Asian women. And I thought about that and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so validated. And just thinking about all the other Asian women I know and the rates of violence and the expectations that are put on Asian women of color about what we'll put up with and so on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just something small, but it felt so validating. And there's stuff like that for a lot of different people in this book that might feel validating. So thank you for saying that, Jill. To switch gears completely, Kristen, uh, we definitely heard from some people who didn't totally enjoy how we lived by this book or the book itself. Hi, Kristen and Jolenta. This is Daisy. Um, I'm calling about the So You Want to Talk About Place episode. I feel like the intention was completely correct on that. Uh, but most of the episode, to me, a black person, it felt like you were using black trauma as an accessory to your own growth. Um, it just seemed a little bit self-serving when you were talking about equity for, for black people and black bodies. Um, but an episode like this is always going to be super, super difficult to navigate something I would have liked to see that you had invited uh, two black hosts to host the entire episode uh, instead of hosting it as yourself to non-black people. To me, a black person, it was really othering. And I I felt bad because, like I said, I know that you guys were were in the right mind space for this. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I love the show. Uh, bye. Daisy, first of all, thank you so much for calling in, and we are so sorry that we made you feel othered. It is never our goal to make anybody listening to this show to feel othered, and we feel terrible about that. And we we absolutely did not want in any way for black trauma to be an accessory to our growth. We are sorry if that is the impression we gave. We don't see black people or their trauma as a stepping stone to hashtag live your best life or any of that nonsense. Um, And we're really, really sorry for that. So that's -hmm. the first thing we want to do. Both Jolent and I would like to apologize. And that was not our intention. We're so sorry. I'm sorry I came across that way to you. That sucks to listen to. So we will do better. Um, And second of all, the question of 
two Black hosts hosting the episode instead of us. The only concern I have about that is the author of the book herself said that she wrote it partly because she was tired of explaining to non-Black people what racism was. And Mm. so I wonder if if we had two Black people living by this book, it wouldn't necessarily be what the intention of the book was. I don't know. What do you think, Jolanta? Yeah, but that being said, I do think Daisy has a point. Like, it could be super interesting to see what it would have been like to live by this with Black people, a Black friend, see what they had to say. It could have led to some really powerful and interesting conversations. So thank you, Daisy. Yes, thank you. And again, apologies, not just to Daisy, but to any and all listeners who may have felt the same way as Daisy. We are very sorry. Our next letter comes from Ayula, who says, I listened to the podcast yesterday, and I wanted to push back on the idea that Asians and Asian Americans shouldn't be part of the conversation on police violence. While they, of course, shouldn't talk over Black people or try to center themselves in the Black Lives Matter movement, There is a lot of nuance, especially when you consider cases like that of Vincent Chin, the rampant sexual violence perpetrated by police officers, and the fact that ICE and detention centers are part of policing and they have been known to target, among other groups, Asian folks. Yes, Ayula, thank you for writing this. And I'm going to confess that listening back on the episode, I also felt uncomfortable with how I essentially said, Jolenta, you and I will never be targeted by the police in the way Black people are. Um, It was not nuanced. It sounded dismissive when the fact is I'm an Asian woman who's been catcalled by the police right here in New York. I am somebody who has called the police in New York and was completely disregarded by them when it was a real crisis. In Minneapolis, my Southeast Asian friends were stopped by the cops all the time for driving while Southeast Asian. And Mm. um, yes, many Asian people have been killed by the police and While black people are absolutely targeted more by law enforcement, there is no question about that. Black people are. That doesn't mean that other people of color aren't. And in short, Ayula, you are 100% correct. I could have brought a lot more nuance to that just like comment I made. It was just an aside, and I should have put more thought into that. But thank you for pointing that out, Ayula. We really appreciate it. And again, we apologize. Next, we have a letter from Cree who says, It sounds like the author of the book spent a lot of time talking about anti-Black racism, a little bit of time talking about anti-Asian racism, and almost no time talking about the racism that Native, Latino, and other non-white people face in America. Is this the case, or did you two cherry-pick what parts of the book to live by? Cree, I'm really glad you pointed this out. And The author of the book actually says in the introduction to the version we read, I think we read the second edition. Is that right, Jolenta? I believe so. And in the second edition, she says, I want to apologize. These are the people I should have spent more time on. I realize in retrospect that I glossed over experiences of uh, Native people and Latino people. and, um, And she talks about that and she apologizes and makes that really clear that this was Uh, a mistake that she made and that she by no means meant to erase or invalidate other people's experiences. Um, And so she she does own that. It was not a case of Jolent and I cherry picking in any way. It was um, us living by uh, her book as it was. And uh, we didn't mention, though, that introduction, what she said. But she does apologize in the introduction for that. So, But Cree, thank you so much for your close listening on that. And absolutely, the author and Jolenta and I, we, we 
don't believe that all anti-racism efforts should only include certain people and exclude others. So uh, thanks for noticing that. Yes, thank you. Okay, Kristen, we've been talking a lot. Let's take a hot little break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from all of you out there about how you do or don't talk about race in your own lives. Stick around. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, it'll be the spot for everyone. From book club to game night, the kids can even host their friends. Whoa, it smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh air wick. All right. We are back with listener responses to So You Want to Talk About Race. And a lot of you wanted to share your own stories about how you talk about race or don't talk about race, are scared to talk about race, enjoy talking about race, and so on. Let's start with this one from Nellie. Nellie says, My husband, three-year-old, and I are Hispanic Mexican-Americans, so we talk about elements of our culture a lot, but we're also trying to make a concerted effort to introduce our son to the ideas of race, inclusion, and understanding difference and how to react to these differences. My brother got my son the book, We're Different, We're the Same for his birthday, which I love so far. I'm going to get him anti-racist baby next. Anti-racist baby is a very cute book name. And I believe on our (laughs) Facebook group that someone posted a a picture of a baby holding the book Anti-Racist Baby. And that shit was too cute. (laughs) Nellie, I love that you're starting young. Um, I can say that when I was growing up, Jolenta, maybe when you were two, there were definitely those people who were like, oh, you just have to shelter little kids from this. We can't let them know that these things happen. Right. And we weren't supposed to talk about race at all. Let's just when I was a little kid, exist. yeah, I got in trouble because like me and my black friend were playing with each other's hair and we just were playing with hair. But then everyone freaked out and said I wasn't allowed to touch his hair. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't see race back in the early 90s. Yeah. They really wanted us not to see race back then. Oh, so boy. I'm did they very want glad us we're to. allowed to fucking see it and talk about it and deal with it. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Lynn wrote in to say race factors into everything I do. So it's hard to exclude in conversations. As an immigrant woman of color, I'm constantly questioned about my expertise and receive backhanded compliments such as, your English is so good. My intersectional experience also factors into a lot of things such as finance and healthcare. There are things that I have a lot more trouble learning about because it's just inaccessible to me because of race and cultural norms attached to it. Mm, Mm, Yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, important to bring up the cultural norms thing too because – Some people call it cultural literacy. Um, Mm. 
if we're not brought up in a certain culture, I mean, there are all sorts of things that we do here in America, for example, that if we went somewhere else, wouldn't work there, would offend people. We wouldn't necessarily understand the nuance of what's mm-hmm. happening there. And of course, it goes the other direction too. So um, yeah, it really gives a person a leg up to know the cultural norms. And unfortunately, we are given certain advantages when we know those right. norms. And you know, that's on top of race and on top of everything else Lynn is talking about here. So yeah, Lynn, thank you for sharing your story. Totally. Now, Carrie writes... In my household, we are black and Asian, and we talk about race regularly. I do want to point out, though, that our conversations aren't just about trauma and discrimination. We also talk about and celebrate black joy, Asian traditions, the beauty of our own skin, the appreciation we have for who we are. Sometimes it's just a funny aside. Sometimes it's something bigger. Not all conversations about race have to be about the bad stuff. Yes. Yes, Carrie. Thank you. That is lovely. Yes, yes. And I think that there is a tendency, especially, I mean, I can say that even in the episode that we lived by, Jolenta, we were focusing Mm -hmm. a lot on social justice and on the things that are not a celebration of the good and and, and the exploration of of the rough. Yes, yes. To put it mildly. Yes, but yeah, it is really important that we don't just focus on the trauma of people of color, but on all the beautiful, fantastic stuff that is not traumatic. So thank you, Carrie, for writing and pointing that out. Uh, Andy wrote in to say, I'm a white person, and the truth is that I'm terrified to talk about race. I've already made so many mistakes in my life, like choosing a school district for my kids that was well-funded without considering its complete lack of racial and economic diversity, like somehow having friends that are almost exclusively white and straight. I could give so many other examples. I have no doubt that I'm contributing to the status quo through my actions. What good would my words be other than to showcase my hypocrisy or put my foot in my mouth? Mm, Oh, Andy. Andy. It does sound, though, Andy, as if you're starting to think about these things. And mm-hmm. starting to think about things is often the first step. And uh, it's a very American affliction that we oftentimes open our mouths before we think about anything. But the fact that you're giving thought to this, I think, is really important. And mm-hmm. um, I hope that you continue to give thought to this. I hope you continue to um, read up and educate yourself. I don't want to speak as though I'm the expert here, but um, I, I do want to say that berating ourselves is not necessarily going to yeah it's not necessarily the best way to move forward or to create a more equitable world so mm-hmm. um, I'd encourage you to not beat yourself up about this I'd encourage you to continue to think about this and to not worry about the hypocrisy so much as just doing the best you can learning the mm-hmm. most you can um what do you think Jolenta yeah and I was gonna say there are ways to you know like make space for voices of color and bear witness that like don't have to feel hypocritical like you know look for the areas in your life where you aren't a hypocrite but can maybe make a difference or speak up for someone who needs a hand like there are ways to to find moments that feel genuine and not hypocritical and just the more you stop giving yourself shit and the more you sort of try to educate yourself and just get involved in your community and maybe meet new people and 
learn about new perspectives, like the hypocrisy will lessen more and more and you'll feel more knowledgeable and like able to speak uh, to these issues. I, I think that's great advice, Jolenta. And one last thing I wanted to say, Andy, these things that you're berating yourself about, none of them are permanent. None of these are like set mm-hmm. in stone. You can change all the time. You don't have to have exactly those same friends that you made when you were 20 for the rest of your life. You can have other friends also. You don't necessarily have to always live in that school district. You, you can live in other school districts. Nobody has to be trapped in one place for the rest of their lives. And mm-hmm. that includes all parts of our lives, whether it's professionally, personally, uh, racially, whatever it is, economically. We don't have to be trapped in one place forever. So uh, I wish you the best of luck and Andy, you you can do it. You, you don't have to worry about the foot in the mouth. Just put one foot in front of the other. Up next, we have a letter from Cheyenne who says, I was so excited when you announced this book because it's the book that my online book club slash anti-racist accountability group is reading and reflecting on for this quarter. Listening to your episode gave me the opportunity to reflect on this online book club, our discussions and the actions that we are or aren't taking. Honestly, my book club, like a lot of anti-racist book clubs for white people, is filled with white people patting themselves on the back without actually working towards real change. While I think it can be useful to have an accountability and discussion space that doesn't rely on the emotional labor of people of color, at this point, I'm trying to find new ways to engage in meaningful discussions about race with my white friends and family members, too. Cheyenne, I think this is such a great letter because... Uh, it speaks to the fact that sometimes even when we're trying our best, if we take a moment and look, maybe we could do better. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's good for us to always check in with ourselves and think about, you know, uh, am I doing the best to live by my ideals? Am mm-hmm. I um, honoring my values and so on? And um, and that can be done in a lot of arenas of our lives. But yeah, uh, there have been a number of articles written about this, academic articles and so on, looking at the effects of all white book clubs. And sometimes they aren't very effective. Sometimes they don't yeah. come with action. So thank you so much for that letter, Cheyenne. Yeah. I think, Cheyenne, you've learned a lot from this space, but it sounds like you're ready to like take it out in the world. So like, yeah, go with it. Yeah. Um. I also just wanted to read this letter from my friend, Paul, who you may recall Mm -hmm. hearing in the episode. Yeah, I was like, Um, didn't he show up in this last episode? He did. And Paul wrote to say this. Hey, Paul. As an Asian person, I think it's important to point out that various races are not a monolith. For example, Kristen and I don't totally agree on issues related to Asian identity, even though we're both Asian and we're friends. Likewise, Mm -hmm. not all black people feel the same way about all things, and a single black person's perspective on a matter should not be taken as the gospel for all black people. We live in a world where white people are allowed to have opinions and ideas that run the gamut in our conversations about race. I'd encourage folks to remember that people of color do as well. Very true. Very good point. Paul, I like that he manages to point out that you guys disagree. Oh, we totally disagree. I'm glad you have other friends that always disagree with you. It's not just me. I'm kidding. You're fun to disagree with. That's the problem. I love it. It's it's a fun thing to do. It's like mud wrestling with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. On that note, we're going to go take a quick break, perhaps in some mud. Uh, Yes. 
when we come back, we are going to respond to a couple questions that a lot of you seem to have for Kristen and I. And of course, we will announce next week's book. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We are back. And now a couple of very important questions that a lot of you have for us. Uh, Jamil is just one of many people who asked these questions. We'll read Jamil's note here. I love this book. I literally yelled in excitement when I heard you were reading it. I recommend it to people all the time. But after listening to the episode, I wondered, did you feel like you were self-flagellating or self-congratulatory in talking about living by this book? And how have you continued to integrate what you learned into your lives? The thing that felt most uh, like self-congratulatory or to me was when I talked about making that apology. And I don't know why it feels self-congratulatory. It's just, it is what I did. I'm not trying to be like, look at how woke I am. I can apologize. Like I fucked up and like, I don't pay attention to shit sometimes. And I like problematic people. And then I like broadcast their work into the world saying it's cool. I messed up and I don't ever want to look like, I think I'm like, so like cool or woke for like, airing an apology. But I think hopefully that's just my insecurity talking and no one gives a shit about me. Mm. I I hope that, I mean, the way I went into this was there are things that I am doing in this episode that I am not proud of. And mm-hmm. I didn't do those things to be self-flagellating, but to be honest, and hopefully other people will see that we can make mistakes and yeah. um, still try to continue fighting the good fight. Right. Um, I wasn't trying to self-flagellate. I usually do that personally um, behind closed doors and sometimes crying to you, Jolenta. Um, yeah, but like, I, I, but like very, very alone usually, like in a shower. Yeah, yeah. usually I'm self-flagellating alone because I just – or just I, – I don't think it's – Good behavior to model for others either because it's not productive. Um, as we said to the earlier letter writer Andy, um, mm, right? It, it's it's not very productive to just be self flagellating. So I hope I didn't come off that way, and I absolutely did not think there was anything worth being congratulated about in this episode on my part. So I also I, I can't think of anything to be self congratulatory about. It's like nope, um, nope. I I am not shaking my own hand or beating myself up 
for this episode. I hope that I was just honest. That's what I hope. Um, yeah. What about uh, have you continued to integrate what we've learned? I think I oh. have. I hope I have. I just am more aware and trying to talk about shit more and like just amplifying voices of color that are, you know, super fucking smart and have like important things to say. Yeah. Um, I am trying to pay very close attention to some of the things that we talked about in the episode as far as when I am trying to get certain white people in the world or in my life or in my family mm. uh, to recognize certain issues and their importance, I want to make sure that I'm not excluding people of color or making them feel like I'm trying to speak for all people of color. And that was something I really had to think about after this episode about how I mm. um, how I have those conversations and what I say and who's included, who's excluded and so on. Um, and then I also have expanded um, – my mentoring. I'm now an official right. mentor for journalists of color at one of the universities in New York. Um, that's on top of my other mentoring. Yes, and then I also joined an organization that is working to change the policies within uh, public broadcasting and how hiring and retention um, is done. Those are two of the very concrete I things I've done. I also lurk in that organization <laughs> as a weird white lurker who's like, I support you. I'm here if you need me. Um, those are two of the most uh, official and organized things that I've done as well. And there are a few other things, but I don't want to list them all off here because then I She's do feel like that She's on fire, as always. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that. But those are the some of the big things yes, I've been doing. Yes, she has <laughs> continued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho, thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. Thank you to everybody who requested this book. We were receiving requests for this book for the past year. And mm-hmm. um, and we really think it's an important book. And, uh, really good just, read. Just one of lots of important books out right now. Uh, I'd also highly recommend How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibrahim yes. X. Kendi. Uh, th- I mean, th- that's there are so many. We can't just like list a few. It, it would be, it, a, be here yeah, all day. just a giant book list. Yes. Yes, it would. But again, thank you to everybody who wrote in. And um, and now I guess it's time, Jolenta. Yeah. Uh, speaking of books, ha, 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 that's all we do here. Um, <laughs> it's time. It's time to announce next week's book yes our, our next, next book, book is, is new plant parent develop your green thumb and care for your house plant family by daryl chang will this book make us feel more rooted in our homes jolenta will i give birth to a plant Kristen? <laughs> i think i'm about to turn over a new leaf Listen next week to find out what happens. And that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge, huge, huge thank you to our amazing production team at Stitcher. We have Brandon Nix, our producer, Daisy Rosario, our senior producer, Andy Christens, our editor, and Chris Bannon, our chief content officer, Thanks also to Nate Wida. He composed our theme song and to the Rizzos because they perform this rockin' version. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've read So You Want to Talk About Race. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. 
That's right. Talk to us. Our email address is kristinangelenta at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail like you heard on this episode, 302-49-BOOKS. That's such a cute phone number, 302-492-6657. Also, you can tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram. We are at ByTheBookPod. And if you haven't yet already, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people see that we have good ratings. People look at that and they say, I want to listen to that show that has five stars. Mm -hmm. Be one of the people giving us five stars. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Brandon, what do you think? Oh, he gave us the thumb. Thumbs up, thumbs up. That's what I live for. Stitcher. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.